0: they were able to see that the right side of his heart was significantly smaller than it should have been. These single ventricle patients uh, very often need blood transfusions because Mm -hmm. they need more red blood cells than humans with a regular functioning
1: heart. Hi, I'm Bill Harper and this is Bloodworks 101. An Anthem Award-winning podcast from the Pacific Northwest's primary blood center that's designed to inspire you to donate time, money, or blood. When Providence Hospital dietitian, and local mother of three, Sarah Oulette, found out her son Grayson's heart was going to need surgery, he wasn't even born yet. That's because, at her 20-week full anatomy scan back in 2018, her doctor was able to see that Grayson's right ventricle was significantly smaller than it should have been. He would be born, they told her, already diagnosed with single ventricle disease, a rare congenital condition that affects just five out of every 100,000 newborns in America that requires immediate surgery after birth and often one or more afterwards. Many of these patients also need a heart transplant later in life. Grayson had his first medical procedure, a cardiac catheterization, the day after he was born. During that procedure, he coded, but his team was able to bring him back. At three months old, he had his first open-heart surgery, called a glen. And three years to the day after that, he had a second one, called a fontan, to bypass his dysfunctional right ventricle entirely, finally bringing pink color to his skin instead of the blue he'd been since the day he was born. Today Grayson is the most medically stable he's ever been. Just turned four years old, can make a solid effort at keeping up with his older twin brothers, and has even attended preschool. That's only half of Sarah and Grayson's story. During Grayson's illness, Sarah promised herself that she would find a way to give back to and support families struggling with this rare disease. Not enough was being done, she came to believe, to advance new treatments and improve outcomes for these kids. So awareness and support of SVD families became her mission. Here is Grayson's story. You found out that he had a heart defect while you were pregnant with him, is that right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was just at my, um, 20 week full anatomy scan. And they were able to see that the right side of his heart was significantly smaller than it should have been they were able to see it that early on. Um, and so, yes, that's when we found out we started getting care from Seattle children's, uh, right away. And so we were seeing them for fetal echoes until he was mm-hmm. born for about five months. Yeah, he was born at the University of Washington, and they basically just stabilized him right away, and Mm -hmm. then took him over via ambulance to Seattle Children's. And the second day of his life, he had his first heart cath. Wow, um, which is just amazing. I mean, he was 39 weeks, so you know he was full term, Mm -hmm. and but I've seen these. The babies be preterm and they do these um casts, they do open hearts and their heart is only the size of a walnut <laughs> at, when they're full term so oh. it's pretty amazing so he had his first heart cath and he actually coded during that procedure and they you know were able obviously to um revive him and they were successfully able to place a stent in what's called his pda which is actually a little um i don't know if it's a valve but it's some sort of opening in the heart that Mm -hmm. is created in utero but closes as soon as the nor in normal circumstances uh closes after a few of the initial breaths that the baby takes after it's been born we were able to go home Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: when we were home there was just a lot of instability it's just that time period between birth and, mm-hmm. and what's called the Glenn surgery. So for some mm-hmm. kids, that's the second. For us, it was the first. Mm-hmm. And you're just really unstable. So we're actually having to check his saturations multiple times a day at home. Um, we were having to record all of his intake. They suggested not nursing because mm-hmm. he didn't have to work so hard. So everything was by bottle, measured mm-hmm. out we had to take videos of him to make sure that he was not belly breathing. Mm
1: -hmm. And we
0: submitted it to Seattle Children's every day. And then they would watch it and let us know if there were any issues. And we did have to go to the the ER twice in our stage. So just between birth and the Glen, he had SVT the first time when he was admitted, his heart rate was 265. Oh my gosh.
1: So SVT stands for
0: superventricular tachycardia. So just a really, really crazy mm-hmm. heart rate. And it's, you know, a form of a, an arrhythmia. He was considered early, um, but he mm. just was so unstable at that point. They actually moved it forward. So he went in for his first open heart surgery, the Glenn, um, on November 8th, 2018, and to go on bypass, which all these kids have to do, you are getting donor blood. So the heart mm-hmm. and lung bypass machine depends on donor blood. Yeah. So donor blood for any cardiac patient is so huge. Yeah. And then he did need a blood transfusion immediately after the glen So he had that surgery. We had some complications with that surgery. So we were admitted about twice as long as was expected. But he ended up getting a stent placed in his left pulmonary artery and Mm -hmm. that the issue and allowed us to go home 14 days later. In the first three months of his life, I think we spent about a month in the hospital. So we spent a good time outside of the hospital, which a lot of families don't get to experience. So really, Things went pretty well for us, but if things were going perfectly and and my way, my son wouldn't have had any of this happen. We would have been home. I would have had a normal delivery, right? So it's still very abnormal. After that surgery, he was as stable as we had ever known him. Mm. His oxygen saturations were like 88. Mm -hmm. They had been in the very low 80s before surgery. And he stayed that way for about two years. And then Mm -hmm. we started seeing a decline. At the time of his surgery, his second surgery, the Fontan, which he had exactly three years from the first, Mm so November 8th, 2021, his saturations were in the low 70s. Oh, wow. And he was always blue. I mean, he always was blue, The you know, his fingertips and his toes, no. they were always blue tinted, but this got very intense. He was just constantly cyanotic and he couldn't even run for, he could probably do one lap around my kitchen running and oh. then he was it. And I don't have a big kitchen, so... Mm-hmm. He just was tired. He wasn't able to keep up with his brothers. So then he had his fontan, November 8th, 2021. This is the last of the series before these mm-hmm. kids need a heart transplant. If they're lucky. So some kids don't even make it to the glen before needing a heart transplant. Some kids mm-hmm. have the glen and are not candidates for the fontan for one reason mm-hmm. or another. They have the pressures in their heart are inappropriate or their lungs even. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different reasons. But the best outcome these kids can have is to have the Glen and then the Fontan. Mm-hmm. And the Fontan is a surgery that basically completes moving all of the functionality from parts of both sides of the heart completely mm-hmm. over to the only functioning side.
1: Yeah,
0: It was very rocky, literally, until mm-hmm. the day before we were discharged. He just turned this massive corner. They had three chest tubes in, so we had to have oh, wow. those removed, and he was not sedated. Oh. So this kid had three chest tubes removed and two pacing wires removed, like, wide awake.
1: mm
0: Um Yeah, poor kid. He's just... Yeah, seriously. It's nice because I think, you know, he doesn't remember a lot of the trauma that he went through yeah. when he was younger. And then, of course, there's trauma for me and my husband because course, yeah. we saw it happening to our little innocent mm-hmm. baby.
1: So since all this happened, you have become an advocate for these families that are in these situations because you realized that there wasn't much of a support system yeah, for them. Yeah. So you take an action on that. Can you tell me about that a bit?
0: Yeah. So emotionally speaking, the really one of the hardest periods of time for me was when I was pregnant and Mm -hmm. new because I just always had this physical reminder about, you know, what I was about to go through. Couldn't ever escape it. If I was at work, I'm still pregnant. So Mm -hmm. my mind was just so focused on that. I didn't know anybody else who had gone through anything remotely similar. what i had gone through i had never heard of his diagnosis before i had heard of like holes in the heart and Mm -hmm. cardiomyopathy never heard of this single Mm -hmm. ventricle disease so it was all just so new and very scary some of the online support groups that i was running to are um scary (laughs) to be a part Mm -hmm. of because you hear the good and the bad And so it's just all this anticipation and Mm -hmm. and anxiety and fear. And um, I just felt like that was one of the worst and loneliest times of my life. And so I knew that once Grayson was stable that I really wanted to do something. And so I, with my Christmas money from my grandma in 2018, I started by buying heart pins. And I just sold the heart pins for all I asked for was a minimum donation of $5 and I would send them anywhere in the country. Mm -hmm. And I was going to use them to put together care packages for parents that were finding out. So in the prenatal stage, I ended up, I bet there were maybe like 10 people who gave me the $5. I, I was given up to, I think like $500 for a pen. I mean, Uh it just... It seemed to really touch a lot of people, and I had to get very vulnerable, which is not how I grew up and not how I typically like to present myself. So that was really challenging for me, but I also know that that is what probably caused so many people to care and Mm -hmm. wanna help. So I put the first set of care packages together in February of 2019, and I would put things in them that Brian and I found really helpful to have as parents who were living at Seattle Children's. And then I also wrote our mm-hmm. story in it because really for me, if I was one of those parents, that's what I would probably treasure the most is just mm-hmm. about somebody who went through the same program, who's local, yeah. gone through something that I've gone through. Um, so I, course, I did yeah. that. Um, I gave Seattle Children's 12 of those and i've been doing it ever since my whole goal is just awareness because if i worked in the health field and i didn't even know what this was Mm -hmm. that's not okay yeah you know especially nothing new has been done in this area since the 80s yeah um and so all these kids are just receiving palliative treatment that's Mm -hmm. all it is it's just life extending and that is it's just not good enough for me. I wanna mm. believe that, you know, my son will get to live a, a really long and healthy life and not have to feel like this holds him back from whatever he wants to do. Right now he wants to be a doctor and work at mommy's hospital. So he, <laughs> you know, and I just yeah. I want him if that's really what he wants to do yeah. in twenty years, I don't yeah. want to be I don't want it to be anything he has to think twice about. Yeah. yeah. Um, Absolutely. And right, now it just seems like we've been fine with leaving it the way it is for too long.
1: But Grayson's a- good now. Like currently, he's all right.
0: Yeah, he he is. Um, he has a ton more energy. The color difference is amazing. Yeah, I can't. yeah.
1: it's
0: just. Yeah. And then he. He still gets tired quicker than, you know, normal kids, but he participates running with his brothers. My older yeah. two got to play t-ball this year and oh, cool. occasionally they'd let the siblings run the bases too nice. and he got to do that and made it all the way. Oh. So all these little things that we're seeing mm-hmm. for the first time. Yeah. He's just, he, That's and amazing. then we're also on the least amount of medications he's ever been mm-hmm. on, which Great. is. Also, really nice, yeah. yeah. So, he's doing we're in this nice little sweet spot right now. Try not to think about that too much, nope. and you know,
1: one day at a time, still,
0: yeah. He started preschool three months mm-hmm. after surgery, but now he's we've been sick straight since April, and he mm-hmm. tolerated. <laughs>
1: I'd like to close this episode out with a few words from the letter Sarah wrote to other expectant mothers of babies who will be born with single ventricle disease. She includes it in all of her care packages. Throughout my relatively short experience as a heart mom, one quote has been branded in my mind. Wounded hearts beat the loudest. It was a quote that brought me comfort in every frame of our journey because while my heart was aching and wounded like never before, I knew I needed to make some good from this experience. Finding out your unborn or newborn child has a very serious and rare health condition is a very isolating experience. It can taint and rob expectant and new mothers of the many joys of pregnancy and early motherhood. I was afraid I would never genuinely smile and laugh again. It is my mission to bring some small pieces of comfort to other heart mothers in a similar position. It's okay to feel sad, scared, hopeless, and bitter. There is no right or wrong way to process your child's diagnosis you are not alone well that's a wrap for this episode of bloodworks 101 i'm bill harper thank you for listening and please remember to subscribe people in our community like Grayson need blood every single day and all it takes for them to get the second chance they deserve is the gift of life a blood donation from you so go to bloodworksnw.org and make an appointment to give blood today we'll catch you later